Hello, listeners, and welcome to Area of Expertise, a Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition podcast where we cover all things D&D. From the massive worlds you build to the heroes you play, AoE has you covered. Happy listening! Hello, everyone. Welcome to Area of Expertise. My name is Wyatt. And I'm Devin. Uh, welcome back to the podcast. Yeah. Uh, we've, we've been gone for a little bit, kind of letting the, the whole impromptu season one close and uh today we are starting season two yeah uh so this season we're going to be talking a lot about the lore of the forgotten realms and of uh dnd in general uh today's topic though is dragons yeah starting it off with the uh one half of the namesake <laughs> we did we did dungeons last season and now we're here uh so before we get started though uh devin what have you done with dnd lately over your little break uh well over the little break that i've had um since last semester ended i've had a lot more time um i've started dming again and it's been really fun for me to start rolling that out oh nice i say we had our second session coming back this past week i believe so um delving through a dungeon first off and it's been fun yeah I've, i've been really missing playing as a player character uh so like with i, I don't want to like go too deep into it but um devin's really good at um pacing encounters at least from my standpoint i feel like you're really good at pacing in terms of like dungeon craft i think dungeons are probably one of my areas of expertise Ooh, name drop uh for for lack of a better term but um yeah i've, I've always felt like dungeons that i run are always received really well mm-hmm um, I don't know. I don't really know what it is. I I put in a lot of effort into my dungeons. So, yeah, I, I'm really having a lot of fun in your dungeons. It's it's super hard to get that that balance of combat and exploration. I'm glad. And uh, and yeah. So with with that, I've been running my uh, my weekly game. Um, they are getting near the end of their written story. Ooh. And I haven't closed a D and D campaign in. Uh, probably like five or six years. I've never actually finished a campaign. They really? just kind of stop. Uh, I just like I wrote this one purposefully to be a little bit short. Yeah. Um, just because uh they're they're new and I want them to experiment with different classes and builds and stuff. And I feel like getting too entranced in your party role. Yeah. Uh, it, it might get a little bit dull. So. Yeah. I I really like world building and um creating and writing um as most who listen would probably know by now. <laughs> so uh, I get a little carried away with like making grand stories. Mm. It can be really hard to realize all of that. Um, but anyway, look, getting into today's topic, uh, dragons. Yeah. So uh, today we're just boys. we're just covering the uh, the chromatic set plus a plus a couple extras, a couple of bonus dragons. Uh, so if you're following along at home in your monster manual. Uh, we will be starting on page 86. Yep. 86 uh, starts the entire broad section of dragons themselves. Which, have they come out with any sort of supplement material on dragons? Since... Uh, not that I know of. I know that in previous editions there were, like, gem dragons mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, but they have not come out with anything other than chromatic and metallic dragons. That's interesting. It, yeah. it feels like with, like, the name of the game is Dungeons and Dragons. And we get a lot of dungeon supplement. Yeah. But we don't get a lot of dragon supplement. Yeah, there's there's not a whole lot 
well, I guess there are 10 plus mm-hmm. types of dragons. Um, so there's a lot of dragons, but uh, a few different ones would be neat to yeah. have. Some very unique boys. Uh, so let's just get into uh, the first one here. So we're going to be talking about the black dragon. Uh, let's look through the monster manual. There's a lot of like really interesting uh, highlighted text. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there kind of really tells you about like what kind of uh, what kind of individual these dragons are. Yeah, that first page just kind of goes over uh, some of the basics, like how long dragons live, like their layers and their uh, mentalities. Uh, with chromatic dragons, it specifies you know they they all come from the uh, dragon queen Tiamat. Hmm. And there are there are more than one uh, dragon god, correct? Yes, there are two, Tiamat and Bahamut. And they're they're basically different sides of the same coin. Yeah, uh, one's the one's evil and one's good. Um, they both well, if you stick to some lore, the lore that I like to stick with myself is that they both come from the same god that split, and now they are two halves of that god that created semblances of themselves okay. in the form of good and evil dragons. See, I always I always make that association of a. Uh... Bahamut is like, um, I believe when I made my first cleric, I was a a disciple of Bahamut because it, se- it seemed like the coolest thing. He's one of the most popular um, gods, and they're both lesser gods, actually. Really? Yeah. So we'll we'll get more into uh, the godhood. Uh, yeah, in a they later can episode. they can get their own episodes. There's a lot to say about them. But yeah. Back to the back to the black dragons. So brutal and cruel. These are these are very. Very much so, chaotic evil dragons. Uh, yeah, uh, dra- black dragons are my favorites um, to run as villains because they're just the most evil of like all the dragons. They're they're horribly sadistic. Um, everything about them is just how much pain can I inflict? So they make a very good big bad evil guy. Mm-hmm. Just to have a, a sentient ancient black dragon at the helm i'll say you guys have run into one in my campaign already yeah it was it was very scary Mm -hmm. (laughs) literally leveled an entire city yep i am i amped him up real big all right so they have foes and servants black dragons hate and fear other dragons they spy they spy on draconic rivals from afar looking for opportunities to slay weaker dragons and avoid stronger ones so they're very much uh like a brooding kind of they're schemers that's interesting. Which okay. is which is strange for chaotic evil, but uh, yeah, they're very they're very jealous and v- like full of like more avarice than the usual dragon. All right, and this is something that I haven't um, really delved into that much as the DM, but layer actions. Yeah, layer actions are always fun. Uh, they add an extra oomph to like major encounters. I think that without layer actions, something like a dragon would seem. Um, much less intimidating, actually. So, like, they get legendary actions, don't they? they, they at least the ancient ones Yeah, the do. ancient one does. Yeah, legendary actions that they can take um, on any other creature's turn. So okay, it's like so... some like, a, like a, a party member just finishes casting Fireball. Cool. Black Dragon's going to go now. <laughs> and then another party member goes, and then it's like, all right, Black Dragon's going to go now. God, that's brutal. So they get... They get the legendary actions during other people's turns, mm-hmm. and then they also get the layer actions. Yep. The layer action always uh, goes on initiative count twenty. Oh, that's interesting. So okay. if you if you don't roll above a twenty, layer goes first. 
God, it makes me really want to put a dragon in my campaign now. Yeah, dragons are super cool and really interesting. A lot of people, I feel, like avoid them because they're cliches. Mm-hmm. But uh, you can you can really you can really add a lot to them to make them interesting. So I know for a fact that uh, it, I've I've been in several campaigns over the last few years, like at least half a dozen. Mm-hmm. And I don't think like I think yours was the first time I ever saw a dragon as a character. And that was like at least five or six campaigns in. Um, and well, most people will probably treat dragons the way that they're normally depicted in fiction as kind of just like brutish, mm-hmm. like non-intelligent creatures that just go around. Like Smog is a great example of what a dragon should be in uh, The Hobbit mm-hmm. of Tolkien's work. Say like dragons in D anD D, they're like they're spellcasters. Mm-hmm. They're uh, they're <laughs> I'm trying to think of the word, um, like den mothers almost. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, just a, a little knowledge tidbit here. Um, your intelligence score in D&D, a 10 is like an average person's intelligence. Mm-hmm. So the most powerful black dragon has an intelligence of 16. Like when you reach up to intelligence of 16, like you're – you have quite a bit of brain power mm-hmm. to be using at that point. So a lot of players assume that like eighteen to twenty—that's that's like god tier yeah. intelligence. But it really starts to ramp after like fourteen. Mm-hmm. All right. So if that is, uh, do you have anything else to say about black dragons? Uh, no, not really. They're just they're they're super cool. Um, I one more thing actually. So one interesting thing that I like about all the dragons is that they keep different types of treasure hordes. Mm-hmm. Um, most people think about like the gold, like the massive mountains of gold. Um, what I found interesting about black dragons is like they're so sadistic and cruel that their favorite treasure is the crumbled remains of kingdoms that they've conquered. Oh wow! Like the their favorite things are trophies from destroyed civilizations. So if you were to encounter a black dragon in their lair, you would see, like, you wouldn't see piles of gold to balloon. You would see, You'd like... See broken statues, effigies. Uh, oh, man. S- like, different crumbling ruins and stuff like that. All right, so, like, moving on to the next in the uh, in the dragon color wheel, the uh, the blue dragon. And just by looking at the blue dragon, they got... Like charisma, yeah. Uh, the wazoo. Blue dragons are um, they're lawful evil, so they're very intelligent. They're very schemy. Um, they like to make deals. Mm-hmm. Um, I, they they kind of like they get their kicks um, intellectually thwarting other people. So mm-hmm. if you run into a blue dragon, he's very likely to try to trick you into doing something for him. Okay, that'd be interesting for a party that. Like, hasn't heard this episode and has no idea about uh, the different chromatics. Yeah, they're very they're very practical and pragmatic. Like, uh, their their favorite they're they're kind of like the biggest assholes of dragons <laughs> because their favorite method of combat is they're they're desert dwellers. Mm-hmm. So that's their favorite territory. Um, a blue dragon will absolutely take advantage of its flight. And it will just drive by you endlessly <laughs> as you cannot reach it. And if like if you can, it will drive by, lightning breath you, and fly miles away. 
and then come back. <laughs> like they they take full advantage of their flight. Like they'll just screw with you. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah they'll they'll fuck with you. That's great. Um, so you said they were desert dwellers, though. Yep. That is that is interesting because like when you think blue, you think like water, right? Yeah. So I figured it would live in like an ocean cavern, but no. No, the the blue dragon uh, likes to stick around in the desert. Um, they ambush nomad nomadic tribes. Um, they like to bury themselves in the sand. Like I always kind of feel like uh, I feel like if I'm using a blue dragon, um, his lair would kind of be like the sand temples in Minecraft, mm-hmm. where it's like you only see like a little bit, a little bitty part of it and it's just kind of like it's it's not a lot to behold until you get down below the it's desert this, it's icebergs this, it's this vast cavernous sandy temple area that's interesting and they take they have this whole section here about overlords and minions uh blue dragons covet valuable and talented creatures who serve who serve reinforces their sense of superiority Bards, sages, artists, wizards, and assassins are valuable agents to a blue dragon. Yeah, blue dragons like to have anybody around that will tell them how great they are. That's that's I, I love it already. Like, um, I've I've thought of like, it, it says bards. It's like that'd be a pretty good gig for a bard. Like, <laughs> you get paid out the wazoo just to tell this blue dragon how good he is. Just sing songs of his majesty mm-hmm. or her. I, I, are dragons primarily male or female? In it, no, it doesn't. It, it doesn't, doesn't really matter. Okay. Um, like. There are a lot of um, there's a lot of dragon lore out there that's like uh, the female is the biggest and the strongest mm-hmm. and it like it's like the brood mother. But it, in D D they don't ever really specify. So that's that's usually like the the dimorphism mm-hmm. uh, is something that a lot of different uh, lore sets kind of touch on. Yeah, but yeah, you're right. I haven't seen anything in D D that confirms it one way or the other. Yeah, they. And usually you won't because you'll only ever see like one gender or the other if they're like really ancient because mm-hmm. um, they stay – like all dragons stay away from each other. They're isolationists. Yeah. So the only time that dragons would see each other would be to either take control of each other's territory like turf wars mm-hmm. or to mate. And even then that's rare because dragons live so long they don't need to mate very often. Yeah. That's why you get three different stat blocks for dragons. You mm-hmm. get the the wormlings, the young, uh, or is it four? It's for wormling, yeah. wormling, young, adult, and ancient. Yes, yeah, so you got a lot of ammunition here to play with mm-hmm. um, at like almost all levels of the game too. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't go, I wouldn't go around beating up dragon babies. That just mm-hmm. sounds rude. No, well, I think the chromatic dragons. Like, I don't, I don't know where it said it, but I heard it somewhere. Um, chromatic dragons make a point to be very bad parents. <laughs> like they don't really watch over their young generally, but I don't think that that's canon. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I just heard that somewhere. So that's definitely something that I've played with um, encounter building with a dragon. Uh, I think the only time I've ever had a dragon in a campaign that was uh, good was I had the party encounter a gold dragon wormling. Ooh. And he was a real nice dude. <laughs> he just wanted to eat gold and gems and he was real hungry. Uh, but yeah, you don't have to play uh, dragons as all bad guys because there are good, quote unquote, good dragons. Uh, they're all, uh, like we mentioned earlier, they're all just a little bit selfish. Yeah, they they all do have that kind of vain mentality. Uh, it's just the, it's brought out way more in the blue dragons and it's like, 
how are you not going to be vain when you're one of the most powerful creatures mm-hmm. that lives so long, like, um, like akin to demigod? Yeah. And uh, closing out just the blue dragon here, they hoard gems. Yeah, whereas the black dragon liked to have the ruined remains of uh, places as trophies, um, blue dragons um, love gems the most, especially sapphires, because it gleams the <laughs> same color as them. It looks like me. I'm keeping it. It's my favorite thing. Yeah, so just uh, keep in mind if you are uh, musically talented or an artist and having trouble looking for a job, uh, find a blue dragon mm-hmm. and live with them forever. It's something I uh, forgot to mention with the black dragons too, but um, dragons have regional effects where their lairs are. Ooh. Um, I didn't see it in the last one, but like for for blue dragons, thunderstorms rage within six miles of their lair. So wherever they're planted at... There is going to be huge thunderstorms around that place at all times. There's like random, they like, they're so powerful and wherever they set up shop alters the the region around them. Okay. Might be a little easier to spot a blue dragon then because in the middle of a vast desert and there's just a thunderstorm happening. Yeah. Also, uh, big dust devils uh, within six miles of their lair. And hidden sinkholes. So there's there's all sorts of just bad stuff for your party if they're going to hunt a blue dragon. Yeah, it's it, it's its own it's its own campaign just to try to fight a dragon and go <laughs> through its lair. Oh, that may be a fun one shot. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna it's make a, like a, it'd probably be more than a one shot if you're dealing with ancient dragon. I'm gonna make a mental note and write just like a tiny a tiny like a module mm-hmm. that you just go kill a dragon. That's it. <laughs> that's it. Should be easy, right? Yeah. Uh, all right, moving on here with the green dragon. Green dragons uh, are also one of my favorites. These guys are lawful evil, so mm-hmm. same as the blue dragon. Um, and they are poison boys. They are. They breathe the poison. Um, what what I like most about well, you said uh, blue dragons and green dragons. They're both lawful evil, but they they go about it in different ways. Okay, like the blue dragon will try to like boast superiority and like use order and um everything that it can to like make you do what it wants mm-hmm. uh it won't just outright be like attacking you or anything but like green dragons are more cunning and trickery okay like green dragons like to use wit instead of just like knowledgeable uh, power. So they won't just poison your body. They'll they'll like poison your mind. Yeah. almost. And they're they're really they're really they're the tricksy boys. Okay, this says here, uh, manipulative schemers, a wily and subtle creature. A green dragon blends other bends other creatures to its will by assessing and playing off their deepest desires. So it, it wouldn't be out of character then for a green dragon to offer maybe some of its horde to be like. Uh, do this thing for me, and I'll give you some of this treasure. Haha, you did my thing. I kill you now. Yeah, now you're dead. I never said I wouldn't kill you. <laughs> now your stuff that I gave you is mine. Here, I'll give you this gold so I can take it off of your body and put it back in the horde. Yeah, they're, they're definitely the silver tongue of the dragons. That's really cool. I like the green dragons a lot. Uh, and it see. says here, living treasures. A green dragon's favorite treasures are the sentient creatures it bends to its will. Uh, including significant figures such as popular heroes, well-known sages, and renowned bards. So another another bard stealer. Yeah, dragons <laughs> lo- just well, bards just sing the praises of things. So dragons just like to have thing people around that tell them how cool they are. 
Yeah, uh, a green dragon's favorite treasure are the people that it corrupts. That's really that, that's really weird. <laughs> Where, whereas me. whereas black dragons like to have treasures of places they've destroyed. Uh, blue dragons just like to have gems. Green dragons like to have people around that it is made evil. That's really cool. So it keeps like treasures in the form of people. Uh, and their lair actions are are a little more naturey. Yeah. Uh, the well, the green dragon likes to set up shop in forests. So um, they typically, um, I think that's why. They like to have trophies of people that they corrupt because elves are generally seen as good aligned creatures. They like corrupting mm. elves. It's their favorite thing to do. <laughs> That's really cool. Uh, and their regional effects. Uh, thickets form labyrinth passages one mile of the dragon's lair. So it'll just make giant hedge mazes. Yeah, just big old hedge mages just out of nowhere. Uh, within one mile of its lair, there will be no physical evidence of its passage unless it wishes to. Okay, I like that line. So it, of, it always has pass without trace as a spell on it. I, I like that it says unless it wishes to, unless yeah. it wants you to find it. Yeah, it, it wants you to find it so that it can, uh, so that it can kind of sweet talk you into doing something so that it, it wants. So it can steal your bard. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, oh no, you've tracked me to this location. Now your bard is mine. Bye. Uh, and this last one, I think, was was really cool. Uh, rodents and birds within a mile of the dragon's lair serve as its eyes and ears. Deer and other large game are strangely, strangely absent, hinting at the presence of an unnaturally hungry predator. When you hear the trees squeaking, the <laughs> the green dragons nearby. Oh man, that's so ominous! Like you, you can tell the party uh, they're walking through like a, a dense uh, underbrush, and out of the corner of they, their eye, they see uh, squirrels and birds peeking their heads around the trees to look at them and then scurrying away. Well, I think it would be even uh, I think it'd be even cooler if, like, you gave your party a chance to make a perception check and the rodent has draconic lizard eyes. <laughs> like, yes, this rodent has little slitty eyes. Yeah, he's got, he's got the dragon eyes. Oh, man. And then everybody's on high alert and, like, these aren't just rodents. <laughs> I hope you guys listening are getting inspiration for... A dragon theme in your campaign because oh, I yeah. sure am. I was like, every time I come across dragon stuff, I'm like, oh man, there's so many ideas, so little time. <laughs> All right, so coming into the was this the second to last chromatic dragon? Yes. Uh, the red variety. These guys are notably chaotic, evil, uh, very high strength. Yes, they are the most powerful of all the chromatic dragons. These guys, these guys aren't messing around. They're the they're the stereotypical dragon, the uh, the mountain dwelling, uh, gold hoarding, the smog alike. Yeah, the smog <laughs> dudes. So this is the uh, the dragon that you see on the front of the player's handbook. I yep, believe he's on the front of about everything. He's the face. He yeah, red dragons are the face of D anD. d And these guys are a little bit uh. They're they're kind of cruel, mm-hmm. um, but they're very they're not quite as um, doing it for their own pleasure as the black dragon was. Yeah. I believe they're they're more of like they're cruel for the sake of they want to be the ones in charge. Yeah, they they are the they're the most prideful of almost any creature in D anD. d Like if you think pride, it's a red dragon. <laughs> like their their pride like over encompasses everything about them. And all that they want to do is make sure that everybody knows how powerful they are, how much that they could do if they wanted to. So it says here um, they are arrogant tyrants. 
Uh, red dragons fly into destructive rages and act on impulse when angered. They are so ferocious and vengeful that they are regarded as the archetypical evil dragon in many cultures. So there we go. We we touched on that a little bit. Yep. They uh they're very ang they're very prone to anger. Their temper is very easily roused. So uh don't don't uh don't tell him that he's not great or you will be dead. <laughs> so is there anywhere in here that says that the steel bards? I don't think that they do. They'd rather eat that bard. <laughs> so the next section even steal says, its money. The next uh, the next section even says that they are fiercely territorial and isolationist. Well, that's just dragons in general. Yeah, that's just all dragons. I guess these guys a little bit more so. Um, however, they yearn to know about events in the wider world, uh, and they make use of their lesser creatures as informants, messengers, and spies. They're most interested in news about other red dragons, with which they com- they compete constantly for status. So the red dragon's not going to steal your bard. They're going to steal your rogue. <laughs> He's going to go be their informant and yeah. spy on other red dragons. Again, this is like this is another uh, big bad evil guy yeah. kind of dragon. Red dragons, I think, have probably been red dragons and liches. I think are really common big bad evil guys. Uh, and this last little section on them, the they're obsessive collectors. They value wealth above all else. Their treasure hoards are legendary. So yeah, that we we're, we're right in that. They're just the stereotypical dragon. Yep, they just like having things. They hoard gold. They like to uh, be the only red dragon on the block. And yeah, they're very angry. Yeah, the the last little paragraph seems almost like it's took uh, taken verbatim from the Hobbit. Uh, a red dragon knows everything of value and provenance in its hoard along with each item's exact location. So it'll know if you take anything. Yeah. You steal that Arkenstone, he immediately knows. And if he can't find you, like you slip on a ring of invisibility, Hmm. he will blow up everything. (laughs) That'd be be a nice little, like, uh, a little dungeon to test your characters. Like, uh, maybe it's... He's not going to show up until you try to take something. Yeah, maybe, like, there's just, like, little wealthy pieces scattered throughout the, the, uh... The dungeon, and it's like, oh, uh, you come across a, a gold idol on a little pedestal, and as soon as you pick it up, just he gets it's real he pissed. Just bursts from beneath the gold. <laughs> Suddenly, dragon fight. Yeah, <laughs> and it says, if the thief can't be found, the dragon goes on a rampage, laying waste to towns and villages in an attempt to sate its wrath. So it will destroy until it's not angry anymore. <laughs> so, uh, keep your keep your rogue in tow i yeah, guess yeah keep the keep that paladin keep your rogue <laughs> front and center and uh its lair actions are they, they live in kind of like um craggy volcanic areas volcanic mountainous uh volcanic gases and clouds on a 20 foot radius sphere centered on a point the dragon can see within 120 feet of it so it just sits on top of a mountain looks at places and those places erupt in volcanic gases yep that is metal. A big old geyser blows up in within 120 feet of it, and everybody who can't get out of the way takes a, a real big fire damage. Uh, lots of earthquakes, tainted water sources with sulfur. Yep, so make sure you bring water with you. <laughs> you bring a, a decanter of endless waters, because uh, otherwise you're going to have a bad time. All right, so going on to the last of our chromatic boys, uh. The uh, the somewhat infamous white dragons. Yeah, white dragons. Uh, they're nah. They're nah. No, they're they're my least favorite. So looking at their stats, they're they're relatively strong. They got relatively high constitution compared to the other dragons. Yeah. Anyway, 
Compared to the other dragons, well, they're, they're still dragons, but they're the weakest of them all. Uh, say notably, their intelligence is a 10 and their wisdom is a 13. Yeah, white dragons are dumb. Oh, and the charisma's a 14, so they're not even, like, supernaturally pretty. Nope. I'll say they're, uh, they're, they're the least intellectual and cunning of all of the, all of the dragons. Let's see, and they are ice boys, mm-hmm. from the looks of it. They shoot cones of ice. They live in the tundras and the icebergs of the world. An entire layer of a dragon just floating <laughs> on an iceberg in the northern sea. And like from looking at their um, their descriptions, it doesn't seem very unique. Like, it's a lot of just the same stuff. Yeah, uh, white dragons, I think the most unique thing about them is they're really animalistic and feral. Mm. Um, they don't have any – they lack – it says, white dragons lack the cunning and tactics of other dragons. However, their bestial nature makes them the best hunters among all dragon kind. So you can definitely tell that, like, there's not going to be any sort of wildlife around a white dragon's uh, lair. Uh, and then it says right after that that the they keep the bodies of their greatest enemies as trophies, freezing corpses, where they can look upon them and gloat. Yeah, like, so ha-ha, I killed this. So the blue dragon and the green dragon, they'll keep people around just to tell them how great they are. Mm-hmm. So the white dragon is kind of a mix between the green dragon and the black dragon where it's like, I'm going to keep all these people around so I know how great I am, but they're dead. <laughs> they're also trophies. Yeah, they're trophies. They're not they're not people anymore. They're people I have conquered. Oh, they they strike me as like a big game hunter almost. Yeah, they are. They're uh they're very monster hunter. Uh, although only moderately intelligent, white dragons have extraordinary memories. They recall every slight and defeat and have been known to conduct malicious vendettas against creatures that have offended them. Oh, my. Yeah, so even if they're stupid, don't call them stupid because they know <laughs> they know you called them stupid and they'll kill you for it. And, like, that, that sounds kind of vague, too. So, like, if... Like, let's say a human slights this dragon when he's younger. Would this dragon have a vendetta against all humankind then for, like, the foreseeable future? That's up to you. It could hate every human because it thinks all humans are alike. They're very quick to jump to conclusions if you want to run them that way. Or they could just have a vendetta against that one person, maybe their family. Like, the the white dragon won't stop until it's wiped out the person that slighted it and everybody related to them. Mm, you smell of that one's bloodline. Mm. Trophy. <laughs> uh, and going into their layers, uh, it's a lot of jagged ice and fog. Oh, it's freezing fog, so mm-hmm. don't even step in it. Uh, the dragon can create an opaque wall of ice. On a solid surface, they can see within 120 feet. So just like the uh, red dragon, they can just sit on top of an iceberg, point, and then boom, ice wall. Just wall of ice just jutting out of this thing. You're climbing that mountain, ice wall. So that's something that also isn't very touched upon in D&D that much. It's just like weather conditions, mm-hmm. especially extreme weather conditions. I keep weather conditions current in you my do, game. And it, it I have gives, a calendar and weather and everything. It gives such a huge point of depth, too. Like, if you just wake up one day and your party – sorry, this is a little off topic from dragons. But if you just wake up and you tell your party, like, yeah, it's, it's raining today. Yeah. Not a lot of shops are open. It, it adds a little bit of um, – Like, realism. Oh, yeah, realism and immersion. It gives the world a little bit more life. It's uh, – well, even even so, it's like one day. It's just 
it's the middle of summer, where you are, it starts snowing, why? Yeah. Um, okay. Now suddenly, there's your plot hook. There's the white dragon, he's moved in close by. <laughs> All lands must be ice. Um, and I think... Every place is my hunting ground, and it must all be an iceberg. And their, their regional effects are very much just their layer actions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so their their home is wherever they decide it to be. <laughs> I would say, like, they're not, they're not that intelligent, but it doesn't take an intelligent creature to know that they want to expand their territory. Hmm. All right, that's interesting. And, like, how... So if you were to let's say like don't don't use your own personal uh campaign cuz I know your campaign has some dragons there's some in it. there's some dragons and there's also lots of secrets. So don't, if you were... don't force me to tell you my <laughs> secrets, you'll find out. If you were to pick a dragon, a chromatic dragon. Black black already just black, Black's my it. favorite dragon. <laughs> they're they're my favorite. They're they're the most evil, they're the most like irredeemable. Um, but they can also be cunning. They're not going to be as cunning as a blue or a green, but there's there's just something about the black dragon that just hits me as like pure villain. Mm. And something notable, uh, the the chromatic dragons can't shapeshift. No, um, only the metallic dragons, which we will talk about later, only metallic dragons can shapeshift into different creatures. I feel like... Um, metallic dragons want to help people, mm-hmm. um, whereas black dragons probably, I feel like black, not black, not black dragons, but chromatic dragons, I feel like they could shapeshift into humanoids or something like that, but they don't on principle. It's mm-hmm. beneath them. Yeah. They would rather just be dragons. Yeah. They're already a superior being. Why would they be anything different? Yeah, exactly. So when you're making your world, your setting, um, I generally, pro- I probably wouldn't put every chromatic dragon in your world unless that is a huge point of your plot of like getting your uh players to visit each chromatic yeah. dragon it, it'd be a nice like touch in your world if like get uh, achievement yeah found every dragon exactly or if there's a quest where you don't have to fight them but you just have to go like talk to them yeah that or, or the um that or the world that your campaign takes place in is so vast that it would be unreasonable for there not to be at least one of every kind yeah so I would definitely if, – if I was world building with a dragon, I would pick one or two yeah. tops and then just those are my dragons. So you have met two in my campaign. Mm-hmm. No, you've met three. Okay. So I remember two off the top of my head. Um, there You have met a red dragon um, which holds dominion over your base actually. You're renting from him. That's right. Um, That's the one I was forgetting the about. The black dragon which – has been antagon- an, uh, antagonistic to you and it has leveled a city that you were trying to save already in its acidy breath. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Archmage that passed away was a silver dragon. Okay. He was polymorphed as a silver dragon. There you go. So even then when we talk about um, the metallic dragons, they have even more um, kind of like story implications. Mm-hmm. You can work them into basically any situation you want. Well, it's like um, a little backstory for my campaign with the uh, the silver dragon. The um, the silver dragon was polymorphed as like the most powerful archmage in all the land. Everybody went to him for wisdom. He had dominion over a demiplane of just like a gigantic library mm-hmm. where all of the best wizards would go to study and research. Mm-hmm. And um, he eventually reached the end of his lifespan, which for an ancient dragon is like 800 years plus. Okay. So he's... he passed away naturally 
and um, when he died, he reverted to his his normal form of okay. a silver dragon. The party was um, pretty close to him, and they had uh, he was one of their like quest givers, and one of your party members was a wizard himself that took tutelage under him. Yeah, one of the uh, the dragon apprentice. Mm-hmm. So uh, you were all invited to his kind of. Uh, his dying words ceremony, and when he he died, he transformed back into his silver dragon. There you go. So there, there's a like, like in my opinion, a really cool example of how you can work some of these creatures into your campaign. Um, next episode, uh, we will be covering the chromatic side. So just like uh, Devin was just talking about with the silver dragon, uh, he would be kind of in that little group. But before we actually close out this episode there are two extra dragons that we have not discussed bonus dragons uh so devin do you want to introduce us to our first uh bonus dragon i'd love to because it combines my two favorite big bad evil guys and creatures (laughs) in the game the draco lich is a dragon that has transformed itself into an undead monstrosity of immortality so it's kind of when when the mortal plane doesn't offer enough power. Yeah. The only only the most vain and power hungry dragons will attempt to do this because they have to go through the same process that a regular lich would. Okay. They have to go through the entire ritual, they have to drink the brew of death, they have to die, and then they come back. And they have to create their phylacteries as well. So out of the five chromatics, which ones do you think would be more likely to Embrace lichdom. Uh, it's the hmm. That's a that's a tough question. Um, I think probably the blue dragon. Actually, they depict the blue dragon as really? a picture of the Draco lich. But I think the blue dragon because they're. I think that the blue dragons are the most intelligent, if I remember correctly. So they might just want to. Or no, the green dragon is. They might just want to live forever then. Yeah. Combined combined with their scheming personality and um, just their desire to be like, you know, the red dragon is the most powerful. Blue is second place. Mm-hmm. What do you do if you're second place? You do everything you can to surpass first place. Yeah. I guess that makes sense then. Because, uh, yeah, you said in the Monster Manual it is uh, the, the blue dragon is the one that is depicted – as becoming the Dracolich. Yep. Um, but kind of interesting is it says that you can template your own uh, Dracolich. Yeah, a Dracolich can be anything. They give you um, they give you uh, statistics and abilities to give any given dragon to make it into a Dracolich. Like they get uh, they become undead. Uh, they no longer need to breathe, eat, drink, or sleep. Uh, they get resistance to necrotic damage, immunity to poison. Um, it can't be charmed, frightened, paralyzed, or poisoned, can't be exhausted, and it gains a magical resistance. Uh, so I think it would be a really cool application if, um, let's say you have a dragon as your big bad evil guy. Uh, the party defeats the dragon, um, doesn't necessarily kill it maybe, but maybe just defeats it, demoralizes it, exiles it. Um, and then your next campaign has maybe I don't know maybe a couple hundred years in the future and Varenix the blue dragon has returned yeah he's he's come back as a Dracolich and he's more powerful than ever 
it also um, it makes a point like uh, dra- chromatic dragons are are the spawn of Tiamat and metatolic dragons are the spawns of Bahamut. Mm-hmm. Um, there, I don't know if it says in the monster manual, but I know I know if a dragon decides to become a Draco Lich, they're forsaken by their patron deity. So Tiamat will hate you if you become a Draco Lich. Even the queen of evil dragons mm-hmm. will toss you aside. Yeah, she, she, if you, if she knows that you have become a Draco Lich, she will resent you and she will cast you aside. You're no longer a dragon to her. That's really interesting, actually. Imagine becoming enemies with the most evil dragon in all of existence. The the five headed mama. <laughs> Uh, so is there anything else that you would like to uh, talk about in reference to Dracoliches? Uh, the only other thing um, that it specifies is only ancient and adult dragons can be become Dracoliches. If you're any, if you're anything younger than that, you die. You must be this tall to ride. Yeah, you must be this tall to be a Dracolich. If not, death. <laughs> and uh, the very last dragon that we're going to talk about on this episode is. Uh, kind of an interesting one. This is one that I know almost nothing about. Yeah, I I like these boys a lot. I think they're I think they're pretty cool. And uh, uh, these are the shadow dragons. Yeah. So uh, shadow dragons um, can be any dragon. Um, before I think that only an evil chromatic dragon would be attempt to become a dracolich. Mm. Um, but a shadow dragon can be any dragon. Okay. Um. Because sometimes it's not their choice. Sometimes, um, well, we can start off. Um, a shadow dragon is any dragon that has fallen into or been born within the realm of the Shadowfell. Okay. Um, the years that they spend there, if they can't escape, uh, twists and warps them into beings of shadow. So if you were to go into the Shadowfell... For um, and, and remind our our listeners at home exactly where the Shadowfell would lie. Uh, the Shadowfell is directly, if you if you think of it in like bubbles, the material plane is the main bubble. Mm-hmm. The Shadowfell is like that little sticky bubble that sits off to the side of the main bubble, as long as well as the Feywild sits on the other side. So okay. the Shadowfell is like the nether, the nether plane, like. The um, the upside down, if you will. So it's it's the negative side yeah, of our it, it, I existence. Think, I think I might be wrong, but I believe the Shadowfell perfectly mirrors the material plane, mm-hmm. but everything is dark and it's maddening to be in. Okay. So I can see how a 800-year-old uh, flying lizard might go a little insane. It's like uh, – it's, it's the goth version of everything <laughs> in the material world. Uh, so reading about this, uh, this shadow dragon, like you said, any dragon can be a shadow dragon. Yep. So it's, because you're not going to get a different type for each. It's reasonable to assume that a dragon might go to the shadow felt just to become a shadow dragon to mm-hmm. like, kind of like amp up its power a little bit. Um, but sometimes, uh, the dragon doesn't really have a choice. Like somebody could have just like, it could have just been born there mm-hmm. and it just doesn't have any means to get out. So like, a a, 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 Shadow dragon silver, a silver dragon could be a shadow dragon. Okay. Even a wormling. Yeah, because uh, dragons on their own don't possess any way to 
extra dimensional travel. Nope. I, I guess some of the metallics might. I don't think that they do inherently, uh, but spell pa- spell casting is something you can give to dragons, but base, no. Dragons don't re- um, have any ability to plane shift. Okay, so any sort of chromatic dragon that would just be stuck yeah. by itself. Yeah. Okay. Unless they unless they find some someone or something, or they find like a portal to get themselves back. Uh, and it says here, this is an important thing, um, a shadow dragon is so suffused with the power of the shadow fell that even a return to the material plane can't undo the transformation. Mm-hmm. Some shadow dragons attempt to lure other creatures from the mortal realm into the shadow fell to keep them as company, at least until they're tired of their guests and devour them. Yeah, the uh, the shadow fell is a pretty lonely place, so even a dragon that is as prideful as a chromatic red... Um, it's like all about himself, like everything's about me. I'm the most powerful creature in existence. The shadow fell itself could cause that dragon to be like, man, I need some friends. I need to go kidnap a bard. I need somebody to tell me how great I am. Tell me I'm pretty. <laughs> uh, and I believe with that, and of course, just like the Dracolich, this is another template kind yeah. of you you, you staple these abilities onto a regular dragon, boom, becomes shadow dragon. There you go. So go and make these uh, make these dragons realized in your campaigns. And if you are listening on YouTube, leave a comment if you have ever used one of these dragons in your campaign. Yeah. Because it's something that is much more rare in a campaign than I think it should be. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just too many people think that it's cliche, but it it definitely doesn't have to be. There's so much that you can do with them. Yeah, so uh, I think that's going to do it for today's episode on uh, chromatic dragons. Uh, I've been Wyatt and my co-host. I've been Devin. Uh, we will see you next week Good- when we talk about metallic dragons. Yeah, goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed our show, you can support us by leaving a rating on Area of Expertise. If you are listening on YouTube, a like or subscription is a great way to let us know you want more. This has been AOE. And we'll see you in the next one.